It's that time of year. Everywhere you turn, the lights, the trees, the bells, the songs, all proclaiming good news of great joy, peace on earth, and goodwill to men. But let's be honest, maybe you don't feel like celebrating. Maybe things have been hard lately. Where is this great joy? Where is my peace? Maybe you feel too worn and weary to rejoice. But listen, today there is good news for you, great joy and peace for you. Hear again the familiar Christmas story, but listen with a fresh longing and an open heart. Christ is born for you, and this changes everything. So lean in and remember the soul-thrilling hope this season has for your life. May you join in the celebration as a weary world rejoices. Amen. Today we're concluding our series, The Weary World Rejoices. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 12. Uh, we did just turn on the air conditioning and I thought it was just me that was hot running around everywhere. It turns out when you have a hot tub in here running 99 degrees, it tends to warm it up a little bit. So anyway, we'll be cooling off in just a minute. Uh, we looked at, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the prophets rejoicing when their prophecies were finally fulfilled. We looked at the angels rejoicing when they got the honor of spreading the message of the birth of Jesus. And last week, we looked at the shepherds rejoicing when they ushered in a new idea that all people would get to experience the gospel of grace. And today, we're going to finish by looking at the Christmas narrative, and we will look at the wise men and see them rejoice as well. We're hopefully going to discover how we, too, can attain the wisdom and the joy of their experience. Let's uh, jump right in. Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born, and they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what, uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where he was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let us pray. 
Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this story. I thank you for, God, your scripture. And I pray, God, that I would be obedient to the context and to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to look at this story that may be familiar to most of us as we have gone through our lives seeing uh, this story, this Christmas narrative played out in cartoons and in uh, plays and school plays and cantatas and all these different things. And so we're going to look at this and kind of examine this part of the story the wise men rejoicing. We're not going to go into too deeply into kind of where they came from or, you know, uh, what, all the, the, the um, details about who they were. Uh, there, there are ways of looking into that, and I can kind of point you into some stuff, but I just want to focus on what God's Word says, what God's Word says about them, what God's Word says about this part of the narrative, and I just kind of want to unpack that and see if there are some transferable principles for us this Christmas season as we close this out and head towards the Christmas Eve service. So we're going to look at a couple of things that they did and maybe how we can transfer that into our life. So number one, they searched. Herod told them to go and search diligently for the child. Before they even got to Herod, they studied. They studied charts. They studied maps. They studied stars. They studied uh, they, they, they studied, you know, scripture. They studied all kinds of things. They knew that at this point in time, something big was on its way. They knew something. The stars were aligning, literally and figuratively, that the stars were aligning that something big was on its way. You know, sometimes you can just kind of look around and tell that, they're in, we're, that you're in a cataclysmic shift in culture and in uh, society. And so at this time, the, 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 the magi, the wise men, they knew that something big was coming. And so they studied and they, they researched and they realized that a king was to be born. And so uh, magically, you know, supernaturally, this star appeared. And so they followed the star. And on its way, they stop into Jerusalem because the king of the Jews was to be born. And so obviously they want to go to Jerusalem. Jews and find out what's going on and you know kind of probably surprisingly to them Herod was um, unaware of this possibility or this happening and so uh, so they went in and they discussed it with Herod and Herod said you know uh, all right sounds good um, why don't you let me know go find him and let me know they were searchers they studied they looked for God's light they didn't you know, they, when they saw the star, they, they, they followed the star. And so when I think about the, the transferable principle, it, it's the idea that we should all, all of us should be searchers. Some of you are in here and you may not even be a believer. You may not be, you know, uh, interested in this God thing. You know, uh, you're, you're just here. And so I, I'm excited that you're here today. But maybe, maybe you're just searching whether or not this whole Christmas thing, this whole Jesus thing is even a thing at all. Is it real at all? And so I would say to you, keep searching. That you keep searching because God's will eventually, he says, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And so eventually God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will open up your ears and you will hear the Word of God and it will be fresh to you and it will be real to you. And so you need to be searching. But even if you are a believer, you, you can be in here and you could be a believer for years. 
But maybe at, at this time you're saying, God, what do you have for me today? What is your will for my life this day? What is your, what is your plan for me right now in my journey as a believer? We should always be curious searchers. We should be searching the scriptures. We should be searching what God's doing in and around you. You should be searching God's word. You should be searching, uh, you know, sermons and, and wise people and, and, and hear counsel and, and, and always be curious as a believer and searching what is God doing in your life and how can you follow him? They searched. The second thing they did is they worshiped. When they found them, they rejoiced. I love this. It says, they rejoiced. Okay, let's back up to verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I mean, now this is significant. This wasn't a yay. I mean, this was when you, when you rejoice exceedingly with great joy, that's a big deal. That's a your favorite team won the championship. That is, you know, when you ask your wife to marry you and it was kind of a crapshoot whether or not she'd say yes and she said yes that's an exceeding great joy that's a wow moment they rejoiced they didn't just say wow this is special no this was a hand clap celebration wow celebrating moment rejoicing exceedingly with great joy and what i want you to notice is there is a a theme going on when the the prophets when the angels, when the shepherds, when the wise men, when they come in the presence of God, when they come in the presence of Jesus, there is a natural response, and that natural response is joy. And so I'm telling you, if your life is joyless right now, if your life is, is, is lacking joy, if you say that, you, that you're supposed to rejoice, and you're like, I don't, I don't feel rejoicing, I don't feel joy, I'm bah humbug all the way through this thing. If you can't find joy, maybe it's because it has been a while since you have been in the presence of Jesus. It's been a while since you've truly prayed. It's been a while since you truly worshipped. It's been a while since you've been in His presence because you can't be in the presence of Jesus and not rejoice. So when they found them, they rejoiced. And then I want to take a second and be careful because we get caught up in the scenery. That's the trouble with Christmas. That's the problem with Christmas is because we've seen every different version of Christmas stories. We've seen, you know, we've seen the little, you know, the, the, the claymation wise men story. We've seen them in school plays. We've seen it so much that it becomes it becomes to where it, it, we become numb to the story. We become numb to the scene. But if you, if you put away the scenery for a minute, sometimes we forget what is going on. Picture this. These are Gentile foreign men that come into contact with a lower class, working class, Jewish boy and the response is to fall down and worship him i mean think about that these guys aren't even hebrews okay and and look through your old testament look how look how the pharisees treat jesus these guys even aren't even part of the club 
And so they're not even part of the Jewish club, and yet they go to this Jewish king, and as soon as they see this boy, they fall down and worship him. This is significant. This is, this is overwhelming when I think about this. They didn't go. I mean, these are wise men. Wisdom would dictate, check them out. Wisdom would dictate, all right, sit down, son. Um, let, me, uh, let, me, let me hear a little bit. Uh, or, or talk to Mary. All right, interview Mary. Okay, talk, talk to me. I mean, for all they knew, they had the wrong kid. Could have been the neighbor's boy visiting. I don't know. I mean, you know, you know wisdom would dictate that you check this out. But they didn't because something was there. So there, was, there these foreigners, these Gentiles, Gentile means non-Jew. These non-Jewish men come in and they, they see this child and they worship. That's significant. That's profound. That's amazing. Don't get caught up in the gifts of frankincense and myrrh. Don't get caught up in the we three kings of Orient are. Don't get caught up in that. These three, these men came and they worshiped at Jesus' feet. So what is worship like this? What is your worship like this Christmas? Is it based on love? You know, one thing that Marty and I, we talked about a while back, Marty said that, that there's one thing about Live Oak Church. When he first came on board to, to lead worship here, he said, man, Live Oak's a singing church. And you may think that's normal. But no, I've been in some churches that were truly the frozen chosen, and they're just sitting there and just, like, standing there and just letting it happen. I mean, and so you guys are singing church. But before you go patting yourself on your back, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, you're also kind of like, you're singing, but it's like, praise him, praise him. And it's like, come on now, wake up. We have, we're the coffee church for crying out loud. If we have anything, we should have energy, you know. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, so it's like, you know, wake up. Is there a love on your face? When, you're, when, when you think about, it's like, man, when you tell your wife, I love you, there's different ways that you can do it. I mean, there's ways that it's just, you do it because it's just part of your life, part of your family. I love you. And your wife will take that any day of the week. I'll take it. But there's a different way. I love you. Well, that's different. You know, that, you know that, that, that gets her Twitter painted. You know, that, that's, you know, now it's like now you know that you meet it. Now there's something there. Now it's like, okay, there's feeling there. It's not an, I didn't tell you I love you out of obligation. There's, there's, some, there's something there. And so when you worship, there, you don't just say the words and, because you're supposed to. You, I mean, feel it. Feel, you know, worship, sing these songs out of love. Sing these songs out of joy. Do you, do you see joy? If someone outside the church were to see you this Christmas season, if they were to watch you worship, would they think you were a Christian or not? If by them watching you worship, would they assume you were a follower of Jesus or not? We should be worshipers. These men who weren't even part of, the, uh, part of Jesus' clan, part of Jesus' nationality, they come in and they see Jesus and they fell down and worshiped him. They're not, they're, they didn't say, whoa. They didn't just, no, they fell down. They fell prostrate. There was a, 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 a metaphor of going down and falling prostrate. When you fall, fall prostrate before, quote-unquote, the king, it is basically saying, I give my life to you. 
they worshiped. So they searched, they worshiped, and then thirdly, they gave. They gave gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now there's lots of debate going around these gifts. Some people believe that they gave these gifts as a symbol because these were gifts given to a king. Some people think that they gave these gifts as a metaphor of Jesus' person as prophet and priest and king. Some people believe that these were just some rich guys and brought some stuff from their treasures. Probably that. Whatever it is, they brought gifts. They brought these extravagant gifts to Jesus and they offered them to him. What gifts are you bringing Jesus today? Now you're hearing that and you're like, oh my gosh, he's just going to talk about how we're supposed to sacrificially give and give to Lottie Moon because it's missions. And I'm not saying that even though I just said that, okay? And so that's not what I'm talking about. But I thought about, I'd give some ideas for good gifts, bad gifts. And now some of you are thinking I should have done this four weeks ago when you were Christmas shopping. But anyway, here we go. So we have good gifts ideas and bad gift ideas, okay? So men, when you're giving a gift for your wife, a good gift, a day at the spa. Tell your wife, you know what, I'm going to take care of cooking and cleaning for the day. I'm going to watch the kids. You go to the spa and just enjoy, have a me day. Amen? Women, you like that? That would be a good gift, right? Yeah. All right, that's a good gift. Bad gift. Wrinkle cream. Okay, just don't do that. All right? I mean, I, I, even though you saw it on Facebook, you know, it's supposed to be a good one. I mean, no. No woman wants to open up and see a gift of wrinkle cream. Okay, don't do that. That's a bad gift. And uh, so that, that's not good. Good gift would be a, a nice shirt, a nice sweater. And if you can't pick that stuff out, you know, um, you know, go see Beth at, at, um, at Apricot Lane, and she'll hook you up. And so do that. You know, pick out a nice shirt, a nice sweater. That's great. That's a good gift. Bad gift, a nice shirt, nice sweater that's two sizes too big. Not a good idea. Uh, you know, it's like, but baby, I thought it would look good. I thought it would fit you. You know, that's, that's not good. So you have to be careful with that. So good gift, bad gift. But what do we get Jesus? I mean, he is literally the man who has everything, you know. So this season, what are some good gifts that we give Jesus? And what are some bad gifts that we give Jesus? A good gift that we give Jesus this time is our heart. Man, the greatest gift that you can give Jesus this Christmas is saying, Lord, you have my heart. You have me. You have all of me. I give it to you now. That's a good gift. A bad gift would be your apathy. Your meh. I'll get there when I can. Jesus, I'll try. You know, it's like, uh, there, there, there's some people that when they say, I'll try, I know there's a good chance that's happening. There's some people, like Avery, my daughter, it says, I try, <laughs> that's not happening at all. I mean, just give it up. It's not going to happen, you know? And so when we, we can give God our heart, that's a good gift. We give God our meh, that's a bad gift. A good gift is your time, your talent, your treasures, giving him what he's blessed you with and saying, God, I want to return this back to you for your kingdom to help others, to bless others. That's a good gift. A bad gift is your leftovers. You know, because we've all been there. Someone comes to your house, they visit around Christmas time and they bring you a gift. You're like, dang, I didn't think about buying this person anything. I barely like them, you know, and so, and they walk in, and so, and then you're at a work party, and so they got you one of those charcuterie boards or whatever, but you've already taken out the good stuff, you know, like, and all that's left is like the stinky cheese and the weird crackers, but you're like, 
cool. You throw it in a bag and you give it to them. That's kind of like what, what we do with Jesus, you know. Um, Jesus gives us all these blessings, and we're like, oh, man. And so we just give him our leftovers. We get them, give them the stuff we don't want. We've, we've already eaten the, the caramel popcorn and that kind of stuff. We give them the stinky cheese and the weird crackers. That's our leftovers. That's a bad gift. They gave. The wise men searched, they worshiped, they gave, and then finally they grew. Scripture says, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they returned home another way. Now I want you to think about that. It seems just fitting with the Christmas story. I mean, angels were all over the place, just giving them dreams and telling them what to do. So it seems fitting. It seems like it just fits. That Okay, all right, sounds good. Think about it for a second, though. Pay attention. How did the wise men get to Jesus? They got to Jesus through their intellect. They got to Jesus through their curiosity. But on the other side of Jesus was the Holy Spirit. You see, they got to Jesus based upon their mind and their will. But now they're being led by God. They're being led by the Holy Spirit. You see, they grew. They, 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 they changed. When you come into, when you truly come into contact with God, with Jesus, a change takes place. And this is the other side of Jesus, where now they're not being led by only their intellect, they're being led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, these, these guys, they were operating on faith. I mean, they were following a moving star, which, by the way, this is an important note. The, the, the whole idea of their story it is a supernatural story. It, you know, we try to, to explain it away. And people try to, you know, there are TV shows and articles about how the miracles of Christmas can be explained. And it's like, ah. Uh, but they take out some of, the, some of the words in the Bible in order to explain it. Because the North Star was not the star. Oh, look, it's the Christmas star. No, it wasn't. This was a supernatural cosmic event. This was something supernatural. How do you know, Pastor Sean? Well, I'll tell you. Because it said it rested over the home. The star rested. When, when, and behold, the star they had seen when it arose and went before them. It went before them. It was moving. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place. Stars don't stop. Carrie was talking to me earlier. She was like, I would be annoyed if I was married to the star over my house the whole time. I was like, no, 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 it moved. You know, the, the, it was guiding the wise men. And then when it got to the home, it stopped. And they're like, that's where it's supposed to be. That's supernatural. When it says, when it, <laughs> when it says you know, when, when it gets to that place, and it came to rest over the place where the child was, when it came to rest... Those words matter. It wasn't just a star. It was God. It was God leading these men who were not believers, these men who were simply curious men from the East, leading them to Jesus. God's going to use amazing things to lead us to Jesus. But then once we come to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, then we're able to be led by him. We don't have to be led by a star. We don't have to be led by a burning bush. We don't have to be led by other things. We're led by God. That's the difference. That's what happens before baptism and after baptism. And so we're going to close today. I want you to think about these things. 
three questions. Are you searching this Christmas? Are you searching for Jesus this Christmas? Whether or not to search for him to come into your life, to surrender your life to him? Are you searching for what he has in store for you, for your family this season? Are you searching? Are you curious? Number two, how are you worshiping this Christmas? Have you been in a joyless experience for a while and you need the love and joy to come back into your worship this Christmas? I would say to beg for that to God. And then thirdly, what are you giving Jesus this Christmas? Are you giving him your heart? Are you giving him your time, talent, and treasure? Or are you giving him your leftovers? I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray. And then today instead of coming to the table and taking communion that way our ushers are going to distribute communion and we're going to take it together so as you get the elements hold on to it and we'll take it together as a family let us pray